Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Welcome to the Church of Omaha. In Jesus' name, we're so glad that you're here. Amen. Week in and week out, we come together worshiping the Lord, learning more about His Word, and so thankful that you've joined us here. And uh, thank you for those of you that are joining us faithfully online. We have many who are out uh, traveling, and many who are out uh, doing, doing Bible quizzing things and that kind of thing too. So, so you'll see a lot of quote-unquote empty seats today, but the Lord is still in the house. Amen? Amen? He's always in the house. Amen? Amen? Amen. Why don't you turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3, and I'd like us to, to stand for the reading of the Word this morning. Philippians chapter 3, <clears throat> starting with verse number 1. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised, on, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord." For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead." Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And as you are taking your seats, or excuse me, for, the, for our time together during our, our first half here, I want to teach and preach to you on this topic, loss for the cross, loss for the cross. And as you're taking your seats, let us pray. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for showing us the more perfect way that we might live more abundantly, that we might live how you desire us to do so. Lord, I command every hindrance and distraction to leave this place for clarity of your word to abound in each person here and those watching online. Lord, you are awesome and holy. Help me to be the vessel you desire today of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 Hallelujah. The book of Philippians is an epistle that can be referred to as a prison epistle because Paul writes this while he is in prison. And as we read what Paul writes to the Philippians, you will see a resounding theme in the first couple of chapters and even into the beginning of chapter 3 of joy. In fact, over and over again, you will see the words joy 
rejoice, and gladness many times throughout Philippians. Leading up to chapter 3, Paul is expressing this joy to find this joy, telling the Philippians to rejoice. He writes that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus, and I joy and rejoice with you all. And for this same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. And even into what we read as chapter 4, the theme of joy, rejoicing, and gladness is evident. But Paul, as we see him do in many, if not all of his letters, no matter who they are addressed to, turns the table and gets to the bottom of what is needed to be addressed. And does so in chapter 3 of Philippians. Chapter 3, as we read, starts with, Rejoice in the Lord. And then Paul grabs his theoretical shovel and goes straight to a warning, saying, Beware of the dogs. In the Jewish culture at that time, the term dogs was a common Jewish slur for Gentiles. But Paul here turned that slur to something else. Paul turned the term dogs back on the Jews. Now one needs to understand that it was not all Jews that he was referencing, but those Jews who were turning this act of circumcision that they held so close to the one following the law of Moses into an idol. These Jews which turned this into a form of idolatry saw this as a way to perfection. But Paul says, hey, watch out for this. These people are out here and they are taking this law to a level it does not need. As Paul is giving this warning, he refers to himself in chapter 3, verse 4, saying, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul, who grew up in a Jewish home, who sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who was trained in all the ways of a Pharisee, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, blameless according to the law, said, if they can boast about it, I can boast about it even more. Paul was putting himself in the dog's shoes, saying, I know why they are boasting. Look where I came from. I was once there. I was once a believer in that. But I have been delivered. And I am here to tell you today, Philippi, that you can be delivered too. But watch out for these people. They know their stuff. They are bound to this legalistic view of Scripture. Yes, they may follow every Mosaic law to a T, but they are lost. They are stuck. They are bound. They are bound to this confidence in the flesh. Paul, in all of his wisdom and understanding, knew the influence of this area and spoke right to it, saying, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. These are those things I cannot take with me on my journey with Christ. Church, I stand before you today and tell you that any confidence in the flesh is one that will die away. 
It's not something you can take with you when you see Jesus face to face. It's not something that you will have after this life. It, along with everything else on this earth, will be consumed one day. What you will be left with on that day, you will see Jesus face to face. And while we hope and pray for that day, there is a healthy fear and admonition of the Lord. Because on that day, one will either hear Jesus say, well done, or depart from me. I never knew you. So over the next few minutes, I want to cover the following three points. And that is push out, press in, and press toward. Push out, press in, and press toward. This confidence in the flesh, as I've said, will and will continue to say, is something that we need to push away. It's something that we need to push out. You have heard it preached that sometimes it means pushing the plate away, or pushing the phone away, or pushing the remote away, or pushing anything and everything away, that which causes you to stumble, that which causes you to fall. Paul gave a perfect example of pushing things away. And in order for him to be used by God in the way that God did use him, he had to push certain things away. He had to push his former life away, his old habits away. It was on that road to Damascus that Paul began his journey. He began this more full journey with Christ because Christ got a hold of him on that road and said, Hey, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's like, It's him i got to make some changes. You're right, I've been doing all this stuff wrong. I've been holding to these things that, that aren't quite what I need to hold on to. I've got to get rid of those things so Christ can use me. Huh. His old habits had to die away. But we see Paul, who, who still struggled with temptations. Hear me. Romans chapter 7 is a great example of this. Paul writes, starting with verse 15, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. For the good that I would do, that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. I'm sorry, verse 9. And then verse 20. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. But I see another law in my members. Verse 23. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And as we read in the last verse of chapter 7 of Romans, Paul writes thankfulness through it all, saying, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He was not some superhuman that never had a struggle. He was not some angel that was never affected by that which was going on around him. He was no greater than you or me. But he pushed out. He pushed away these things. Why? Because he knew his calling. And as you draw closer to God with each day, 
It may not be a daily thing that God is asking you to push away, even though Paul writes also, I die daily. It will be a constant thing. It will be a thing. There will be always something that has to be pushed away. When he begins to press you to push something away, do you ever think it might be for a good reason? Does your mind stay fixed on Jesus? Or does it start to think, man... God, why do, why do I really have to push this away? Why do I really have to do this? To which God would say, well, I'm certainly... <laughs> well, I'm certainly not going to make you do anything. But trust in me. I don't ask you to do these things for nothing, he's saying. There's victory coming in the loss for the cross. In fact, according to Paul, the works of the flesh he counted but dung, that he may win Christ. How many of you want victory in Christ? How many of you want that are here today or watching online desire to win Christ? The tough question is then, what is Jesus asking you to do that you may win him? That you may have victory in Him. What sort of things do you need to begin to push out of your life so that Christ may enter in? Now at this point, I can certainly end my message and say, musicians, come. <laughs> let me tell you. But let me ask further, what are you willing to take as loss for the cross? It may feel like a huge loss now, but you are getting closer to the cross. And as I was praying and studying this, God brought my attention to Gideon when he was surrounded by this large Midianite army numbering over 100,000. God told Gideon, I don't really like the amount of people that you have. Gideon's like, yeah, me either. We're already outnumbered three to one. Right? But when you read why, when you read why God says that, it's because of the people that would take credit for the victory when God was the one that gave them that victory. Now stick with me. God said, Gideon, you've got to get rid of some people. You have to get rid of some of the flesh. Are you hearing me, church? It was to the point that the Israelite army went from a number of 32,000 men being outnumbered to the Midianites 3 to 1 to a mere 300 men being then outnumbered over 300 to 1. This was all because there was confidence in the flesh. There was this confidence in the flesh saying, we got this. We're going to win this battle. Yep, It's going to be no problem. No problem at all. We have the strength to do this. All while putting God on the back burner, if you will. But then it was when the odds were evermore not in their favor that God was able to step on the scene. God was in the scene all along. Gideon may not have completely understood why, but he followed God's direction for what to do. Can you imagine putting yourself in the shoes of Gideon? First asking the people, if you're afraid, go home. And 20,000 people leave. And you're like, really? Okay. And then he says, go get a drink at the brook. And he's got to watch out. Every single one of these people take a drink. And those that don't take a drink a certain way have to go home. And he's left with how many? 300. 
you know, I, I'm not one to put something into Scripture that's not written, okay? But I also believe these men that we read about in Scripture were humans just like you and I. And it's okay to think that they may have had certain feelings. They weren't inept to feelings. They had certain doubts. They, they may have been troubled. But as Gideon was asking the men to leave, those who were in fear dwindling down the army, then asking them to take a drink, dwindling down the army to 300 that he was left with, I put myself in the shoes of Gideon and thought about how I would have felt about all this taking place in front of me. And in all honesty, I did feel some emptiness begin to take over, if but for a moment, saying, ooh, that's, that, there's a little intimidation there. There's a little, there's a little fear. There's a little emptiness. Wow, I feel really empty right now. If but for a moment. But remember, emptiness had to happen. The flesh had to be emptied. The works of the flesh had to be removed. Gideon may have started to feel a bit empty. Gideon may have had a thought of defeat rolling around in his head. Am I preaching to someone here today? It is when God steps in, even when it does not make sense, and you begin to push things out that don't belong, those things of the flesh which once had you, that the pressing in begins. God begins to press into you. God begins to move on your situation. He begins to move on your life. He begins to fill you with all of His goodness and mercy. He begins to fill you with that joy that cannot be calculated. He begins to fill you with His peace that passes understanding. <laughs> and He fills you with His Spirit. Hallelujah. As you find your encouragement in Him, so also He encourages you. You know why I can say that? You know why you can say that? It's because you've experienced it. <laughs> and if you haven't, let me tell you, today you can. As He fills you, He moves on your life. He moves in your life. And as you begin to press these things out, the pressing into His presence begins. It's not after you press them out. They work together. You're pushing out and you're pressing in. All at the same time saying, more of you and less of me is what I need. <laughs> this is you connecting with God in prayer, in your reading and studying, in your worship. This happens because you are pressing in to His presence. Jumping back to Philippians, Paul has to rid himself that every, of everything that was once his livelihood. He had to get rid of everything that was his former self. No matter what it is, the gain of the world was lost for Christ. Meaning, hey, all of this stuff is great, but if it gets in the way of God, guess what? It has to go. It cannot stay. A question we need to ask of ourselves is this. Do I glorify God in all that I do? Did that choice I made yesterday glorify God? Did that thought I woke up with this morning glorify God? You know, you've heard it preached many times about taking thoughts captive. And one of those things is, you know what it means to take a thought captive? It means to catch it before you speak it or before you start to believe it or before you start to think about it even more. Before it dwells in there, it's thinking, now wait a minute, why am I thinking that? Hear me, as you take those thoughts captive, you're also pressing in 
because, because you're, you're, you're making sure that the Lord is okay with that, or it's actually of the Lord, amen? And I don't stand here today to, to tell you that I know the specific thing that each of you needs to push out. But I believe God has been working in the hearts of his people for some time now. And at this moment, church, at this time, there needs to be that turning point for you if you need it. God will help you. He's given you his word. His truth is there for you. Today is the time where you have to decide. Do you realize? Do you realize that you are not guaranteed to make it home today? Better yet, walk out of this building. Better yet, get up from your chair. If we lived each day, if we lived each moment as if it were our last and knew that, how would that make you feel about how you're living? About how you're living for Christ? About the decisions that you're making, the choices that you're making? And hear me, I need to address something that may be happening. The Lord didn't lead, lead me to this for nothing. I realize that this may go without saying, but if there is a spirit of shame that has come upon you. Let me tell the devil that is trying to torment you into thinking it's too late. Devil, you are messing with the child of God. Rid yourself of that person. You must leave. You cannot stay. You may have been able to have a say before, but today, that ends. You have no control. Get out. Hallelujah. Not only is God desiring to press into you, oh, but you also must press into His presence. Remember, your relationship with Jesus is a two-way street. It's not all Him and no you, nor is it vice versa. How do we press into His presence? In our desperation and our adoration for Him, in our worship to Him, and through our prayers to Him. We see a perfect example of the desperation to press in when we read in the Gospels of the woman who had an issue of blood for over 12 years. In her desperation, she came to Jesus for healing. When she touched His garment, she was healed of her affliction. This woman, so desperate and determined for a healing touch, began to press through the multitude, began to press through the flesh, and press in toward Jesus in desperation to get to Jesus. Her faith and her persistence exceeded everyone else in the crowd. She did what she had to do. <laughs> oh, church, may our need... Our desire, may our desperation for Jesus never run dry. Those who hunger for God and press into Him will experience Him more fully and be filled. There is a hunger in each living soul that can only be filled with Jesus. One may try to fill it with something else. And you have tried to fill it with something else. But that's a confidence in the flesh and further a loss for Christ. <clears throat> all of these ways of pressing in all kind of meld together. So as we press in with desperation, so also our worship to him grows deeper. When you worship Jesus, you are telling Jesus how great he is, how mighty he is 
how powerful he is. I wonder if we can just worship for a minute or two. Say, thank you, Jesus. You're awesome and holy. Come on, worship him with me. Hallelujah. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Say, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're great, oh Lord. You're all powerful, oh God. You're my healer, oh God. You're my deliverer and my strength, oh Lord. You're my joy unspeakable. You're my peace that passes understanding, oh Lord. I worship you. I lift you up. Oh, God, yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Come on, come on. Now tell me. Now tell me something. Tell me something. When you worship the Lord, doesn't that make you feel good? I understand it's not about feelings, but you've got to, you've got to tell me something lifted off of each of you when you began to worship him. Because he's worthy. Amen. It's not just when you sing here on a Sunday or a Wednesday. Hear me. Or just some special service that you may attend. But your worship, remember, is also how you are living. It's daily. Which goes back to pushing certain things out. What are you willing to push out so that you can press into the presence of the Lord? Paul talks about pressing into Christ as something every believer should do. And if we look just a chapter earlier, chapter 2, verse 21 of Philippians, Paul writes, For to me to live is Christ... And to die is gain. I think I gave you the wrong verse. Sorry, sound guys. Oh, church, when you push the things out of the flesh and press into his presence, may you also desire the same. In fact, I would go as far to say that if you, have, that if you do these things already, you press these things out, that you already have a made-up mind as Paul had when he wrote these. You've already decided that if you are alive you are alive for Christ, saying, I'm going to live for him. I have to choose him daily. I have no other choice. And then boldly declare to Jesus, I choose you. Remember, he already chose you on the cross. Now it's up to you to say to Jesus, I choose you. Hallelujah. Paul goes on in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, saying, And being found in Him, having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death. Church, knowing Christ is believing in Him. Knowing Christ is having faith in Him. Faith in action is heeding to the Word in obedience. Paul was, was just as ambitious about heeding the Word and being sanctified as he was about being justified. What do I mean? Being born again of the water and the Spirit, being baptized in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost are essential. They're things that every believer needs to do. But it doesn't just stop there. There's, there's your life after that, that's called sanctification. God continues to mold you and shape you into the image that He wants you to be. This is why Bible studies are so important. Not just leading up to justification, but born again, uh, being born again of the water and spirit, but even so after to continue in that walk with the Lord. May we desire, as Paul did, to continue to press in to the presence of the Lord. Desiring to know and understand the power of Christ's death and resurrection, that which raised you up to newness of life. It was only by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. When Paul writes about being made conformable to his death, that is so when 
That is so when we die to sin as Christ died for our sins, when we are crucified with Christ, when the flesh and the afflictions are mortified, when the strings that once held you from the world are cut, oh, when you cut ties where you need to, hallelujah, oh, I want to live for Christ. I desire eternity with Him. I must Die daily. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I must choose daily whom I will serve and choose Christ. And finally, as Paul writes in this portion of chapter 3 in Philippians saying, verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that which, excuse me, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark, O church. As you press out the things that need to be pressed out and God begins to knead you like the clay that you are. Hallelujah. He begins to form you. Oh, hear me. He is the potter we are are the clay. May we, ever, may we stay ever so malleable so that He can continue to mold us, so that He can continue to press out those infirmities, those sins, so that He can press in those changes that He desires in your life, so He can press out those degrading self-thoughts. Those thoughts of malice and malcontent. Those thoughts of depression that you may struggle with. Those thoughts of doing whatever you desire to do without any regard to Christ. Allowing Him to push those things out of you so He can press in newness only found in Him. <laughs> and as He pushes out, so also He presses Himself into you. Then furthermore, as you press into Him, you are pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ. And that calling of Christ, oh church, hear me, that calling of Christ is not for those who are not ready to receive it. You've read, heard, seen, learned our theme for 2022, which is what? Called. Called to connect with God. Called to grow in faith. Called to serve others. To lead by example. But you see, church, unless you desire to be used, God wants to have vessels. He wants you to be a vessel for Him. He wants to use you as a vessel for Him, but in order for Him to do so, in order for you to press toward the mark, there's got to be that continual pushing out and pressing into His presence. You see, Paul was writing these things as we read because Paul didn't attain them yet. He said it. When we read those things, it's that which we strive for. Knowing it's not something that we can fully attain this side of heaven. Perfection in Christ in this life. But we strive for it. We, we continue to push things away and press in and press toward because one day we want to hear Jesus say, What? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But it's until that time that we have to continue to push out, that we have to continue to press in, that we have to continue to do that which is written which Jesus says to live righteously, to live soberly, to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. These things that Jesus desires for us, because if we don't, we are really given warning after warning. 
And I was reading in Isaiah chapter 2 through 4, we read of the mountain of the Lord's house that will be established and enter into the rock for fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty. And then we read how, how the lofty and proud will be brought low. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted. You see, church, if we don't get rid of it now, the Lord will. These are things of the flesh. These are all things of the flesh. If we don't handle the flesh as God desires this side of heaven, I don't need to continue that thought. You already know. I don't know what kind of things you may be struggling with here today. I don't, I don't claim to know everything that you may be struggling with. I don't know the ins and outs of every single one of your daily lives unless God shows me or you tell me. Now, don't stop telling me just because of that. Hear me. I, I appreciate when you share those things with me. I don't know the very ins and outs of every aspect of every single life. But hear me, church. Jesus knows exactly what you are going through right here in this very place. And He desires you. If He's working on you to change, go ahead and make that change. Remember, He's not going to leave you empty. You might feel empty because you've been filling it with so many other things. But Jesus wants to fill you up with Him. If He's working on you to push some things out, do yourself a favor and push those things out because the best is yet to come for you, O child of the Most High. Remember, it's not God who will leave you empty so long as you continue to press into Him and press toward the mark as you press things out. Oh, and that we would always remember and put on repeat in our spirits, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Remembering that Jesus told us to put his yoke on and take the yoke of the world off, saying, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, when you walk with God, your eyes begin to open to things around you. We see gas prices going up. We see grocery prices going up. We've seen shelves go empty. We've seen strange things happening in school. We've seen indoctrination and those types of things. All of these things. Are you still with me? There are all of these things that are happening and more right before our very eyes. All of these things are happening around us. And I just feel to tell you, and I know you've heard it before, that God is getting our attention saying, it is ever so important now to press into His presence, to press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ. I've heard, I have a hard time believing that things will just get better. And while I can appreciate the sentiment to stay positive, the world around us is crumbling. The world around us is falling. And God forbid that we fall with the world around us. While the world may crumble though, the church grows stronger and deeper in Christ. Let that be so in you, church, that you find your strength in the only source of true strength. Sister Powell, would you come up here, please? I'm gonna, I've asked her to, to play a little bit of piano. We're, we're going to get into some prayer here shortly. But remember that your life is not your own. You belong to Christ. 
For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. I press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ. I press toward it, not that I may ever receive it until I am glorified, until I am in His presence. I wonder if we could stand all over this place. We've got about five minutes left here, but I want us to either find a place to pray. We just spend the next few moments in prayer. I'm going to end this this right here, and I want you to pray. You can either come find a place to pray, or you can pray where you're at. We've got to seek Him. I want you to pray and say, Lord, if there is anything I need to change, if there's anything that you desire in my life, help me. If there's anything that I need to do different, if there's anything that I need to get rid of, if there's anything you want to do in my life, but maybe there's something I've got to push out first, help me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Tell me, Lord. I see these things falling apart around me. You see, God will open your eyes to what is going on so He can press in. But it's up to you as to whether or not you are going to worry about those things or if you are going to trust in the Lord. Either you worry or you trust. If you are going to keep pressing toward Him, if you are going to say, I'm going to choose you over this, I'm going to trust you over this. I'm going to search you when I can't find this anymore. And don't just make it about that church. May you seek Him first. May you search for Him first. May you trust in Him first. May you seek Him first in everything that you do. Go ahead and pray. Oh Jesus, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, oh God. Lord, we thank You that You continue to mold us as we seek You. And You begin to press out those things that don't need to be. And You begin to press into us those things that do need to be. So that we might be made. So that we might be made in Your image. Hallelujah. Continue to mold us in Your image, O God. Continue to help us, O Lord, when we struggle, O God. Continue to show us Your more perfect way. It's all right to press in a little. It's all right to go deeper in Christ right here at this very place. All we've got is time. Hallelujah. Go ahead and press in. Go ahead and press toward. Yes, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, as we reach toward Your perfection, as we reach toward Your perfection, so You sanctify us. Uh, You cleanse us, O God. Cleanse us right now, Lord Jesus. We want to know You more. We want to know You greater. We want to go deeper in You, Jesus. Hallelujah. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing, O God. Pressing toward, O God. The mark of Your calling, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank You, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. May we seek Him first. May we seek Him first in everything we do because you see, church, as you seek Him first, God shows you things. He brings you. He shows you. We have His Word. We have His Word to teach us the more perfect way, to teach us the way we need to go. Follow His Word. Heed to His Word. Read His Word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. you can continue praying. Please continue praying. I don't want to stop it right now, but we're going to take about a 10-minute break here. Come back at 11.10 for our second half as we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name.